0: My first rifle was a two forty three that Papa gave Daddy and Daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady
1: hand. I guess that's some you don't understand. Here we are, another episode for All American Wing Shooting Podcast. And this is one funny guy in the in the bird dog world mr bob with lone duck outfitters it's so good to see you
0: yeah what's going on thanks for having me
1: i know we have been um instagram friends for a heck of a long time i really don't remember when i found your videos Mm -hmm. but we've kind of created a friendship of just the love of retrievers um over the years and you've bailed me out
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't feel like I did. I felt like it was a good deal. She was I awesome.
1: Know. I'm pretty sure you got the sweet end of that deal, but uh, you I know, did. the time crunch just, just um, had me where I was overloaded. And so I do appreciate you taking that dog and yeah. making her something amazing and helping her find her forever home with kids. I know that was the best place for her.
0: Yeah. She, uh, you want to just quickly talk about her for a second? Because she was a Little really- birdie? Yeah, she was yeah. special. Um, so like you said, you kind of needed to find a home for her. Um, and it was a good opportunity. I was in South Carolina, da, da 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 da, she got dropped off and she had a fantastic base. You did a great job with her base, super social. Thank
1: you. That was my second, I guess, um personal retriever start.
0: Yeah, she was super social, very well balanced and loved to do her job. She loved to retrieve, pick up birds, loved to swim, wasn't afraid of anything, and so for me as a trainer, man, what a good head start. I mean, there are plenty of nice dogs that just don't they they come out in the end and turn out nice, but it's a battle to get there because of nervousness around water or just not enough experience with birds. And so she was a really great start. Um and I the the person who ended up getting her they had a dog that was sketchy and I called him and I said, man, I think this one you've got, I mean, I think he's got three kids under six or seven years old and I oh, go, perfect. I just, yeah, I go, I feel like this dog is going to be a problem. And so we ended its program with me. It went home two days later. It bit the kid in the face. No. Yep. So I felt awful that that happened. But it was like, the writing was on the wall, I could see it in the dog's eyes that there was just a screw loose. And um, it it reacted. So long story short, he needs a duck dog and birdies sitting here. I mean, done with our program steady to steady good with gunfire doing simple doubles crushing marks out to 150 200 yards, great water attitude, everything right. And I'm like, well you can come and look at her i mean i wasn't planning on selling her i liked her a lot
1: she's a she well she has killer genetics like yeah that dog was born to work Yep, like love 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 to work and um
0: and that's huge
1: yeah yeah and and that's the thing i was like man you know i want her to go somewhere where she can shine because she didn't need to be forgotten about but i could not keep all those dogs anymore and because seasons of life change and um so I was moving and I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? And it was so hard. So I was so grateful that you said yes, when you did, because I did not need, like I needed to make a decision and then deal with it immediately. Or I was going to second guess myself. And, and it's, it's really hard when you get attached to them, but I yeah. did not need 10 dogs, um, uh-huh. filming and doing all this. And, and I wasn't turning hunting anymore. And, you know, it's just one of those things where seasons change. And you were at the right place. I was literally headed to Charleston and you were on my way. I'm like, I had no idea that you wintered, you yeah. know, in that area in South Carolina. Yeah. So it was perfect. I'm
0: still just a Yankee, not one of those damn Yankees that moved there. I just, <laughs> I spend a little time. And then when I am about to wear out my welcome, I head back north.
1: Well, I'm so happy. I'm just, I'm so happy that she was everything that I thought she could be Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I don't have that much experience with the retriever world. I've seen a ton of dogs. I can run a good dog and I know what it's like to be behind a great dog, but I'm not super experienced on the foundations and the building of it, you know? And so um, I was as honest with you as I could be in the moment.
0: No, she, she turned out great and she really did find a great home. They're loving her. Um, it's early goose season here in New York. And so I know that she's out there with the kids in a, a little blind and the dad hunting. So great, great place for her. She turned out great and uh, good opportunity. And I, it was a neat little relationship thing that, like you said, it was just like Instagram people that don't really know each other. And then bingo bango we made it happen so i
1: know and i talk all the time about our bird dog family and whether it's upland or retriever world you know duck hunting whatever when we may never meet in person which i'm sure sometime we're gonna end up in the same place yeah but i do feel like i can just pick up the phone and call you and ask for a favor you know and and that's a really special world that we have to live in and um I know it's probably funny for clients to think like we, we have this big network of people, but we really don't know each other, you know?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. now I know it, it's kind of crazy, but, and that's like the world we live in now. It's, it's strange, but it's, it also affords us the ability to have relationships across the country. Like I texted you, I'm like, I could do 7am, you know, take care of the dogs in the morning. We could rock one real quick. And you're like, that's four in the morning for me. I go, yeah. hey, where are you now? Yeah, (laughs) you're across the country now. So that's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I follow you. I I know that you're constantly training. You're putting out like help videos for people that are so relatable to real life experiences and they're easy to follow. And you've created a following of just being real, but how did the gun dog world bite in the butt? Like, where did that first start?
0: Oh boy. I mean, way back in the day, it started as a little kid, as long as I can remember. And it was like art class. I'm doodling police dogs and retru- Labradors. And I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to play lacrosse at Cornell and be a <laughs> veterinarian at Cornell. Turns out I didn't grow up to be the rocket science that you need to be, to be in Cornell. So <laughs> I, like those dreams faded. And, uh, so, you know, just went through college and uh, played like I played rugby overseas and and then I got a, a real crappy job. I sold copiers. No offense if anyone's tuning in and their copier says <laughs> my bad. It, it, great career, uh, just not for me. So uh, I did it. And my first paycheck, I bought a yellow lab and his name is Buck. He's 13 now. And that's what started it. We got a couple finished passes in HRC. We got his senior title, um, changed a job, and became a business insurance salesman. And so I started meeting all these entrepreneurs, and yeah. I'd go in and, and talk to them about their insurance. And it, I'd be sitting across the table from a really well put together man or woman. And I'd be like, man, they're, it's not like they're a genius. I always had these business owners and entrepreneurs on this pedestal of like, I could never do that. I can sell for them, but it's just not, I just didn't think I could. Um, I didn't grow up in a family of entrepreneurs. I didn't know anything about it. So um, starting to meet these people and ask them how they got started. They're like, well, I was just super passionate about working on cars. And so now I own uh, five auto body shops sweet. And he's got big boats and a beautiful home and goes on fancy trips. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm like, well, I love the outdoor industry. I can sell. Why don't I start a brand that revolves around what I deemed and, and like coined the unspoken bond. And, um, that's how Lone Duck was founded with a yellow lab, uh, uh, and a dream. And I traveled up and down the East coast with a trailer full of hats and t-shirts and e-collars and wingers. And, you know, I thought I was going to be the next Avery outdoors or banded or, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I really did. I thought I came out, lone duck was founded right around when banded was founded. And I was yeah. like, oh, "These guys are my competitors. Who, you know, who the heck am I, right?" But uh, maybe you, can't, you know, <laughs> oh <they> my still...
1: <laughs> god, I can't wait to tell Chad that, and yeah. he's gonna be so upset you told that story first on my podcast and not his.
0: <laughs> yeah, super sweet. So, so, anyways, uh, I, I traveled. I would take vacations from my sales job, and I would go and couch hop to different professional retriever trainers that were kind enough to let this Yankee that they never met before sleep on their couch, mm-hmm. bring his yellow lab. You know, I'd go to a hunt test Saturday, Sunday, sell my gear, train Monday through Friday, sell Saturday and Sunday and Sunday night, burn at home and be at work on Monday. And I did that for, I think I did that for like five or six years. And during that time, I built a Facebook and Instagram following. And that's when like, I kind of hit it right with social media. Like it was, it was very new and I was very into it. So I'd stay up super late and figure out the algorithms and the marketing behind it and uh, built a, a strong following, a, a really great community of people that love their dogs and the unspoken yeah. bond. And seven years ago or eight, whatever, I got an opportunity to quit my sales jobs. And I worked for a guy in South Carolina for a year training his young dogs. So I did obedience, force fetch, collar conditioning, T pattern, steady, send them home as junior hunters, started dogs through T pattern type of thing. And uh, after about a year, I I moved home and hung up my shingle and built. Sacrificed a lot. Did a lot of things that people probably don't even know. Um, you know, it was a tough go for several years. I turned thirty years old now, sleeping on a couch in a warehouse, training like five dogs, couldn't pay bills. Yeah. And now. I, I have a farm and, you know, a bunch of dogs in training and I wish I didn't have as many dogs. So it's a cool, <laughs> it's a cool, uh, it's a cool story. It, it w- takes a ton of work and, but it, what it still revolves around is the unspoken bond with, with our dogs. And, you know, instead of, you know, I guess with my social media presence and like the YouTube and all that stuff, I want to give the tools to people so that they can do it on their own. But if they can't, they can still send me their dog. Um, we've got a small breeding program, so I can provide them with a great, well-balanced puppy that loves to do their job. And, um, But, yeah, that's kind of – that's the story. <laughs> that's such not a great
1: story. You know, there's so many bird dog trainers that are like, I barely made it. But then it just takes that one thing for the word to get out that – You've got such a heart for people. You've got such a heart for their dogs and and to build that community. And then it's like wildfire and everything just snowballs. And then you're sitting there saying, how in the world am I going to get it done in one day? And where do I find the help that I can trust to take care of the dream that I sacrificed everything for? And yeah. so it is it, it is a hard thing to juggle. And um, it's funny because I found a kid that I just adopted and he from Texas, and we had trained um, and ran tournaments together and stuff. And he just he just turned twenty four the summer. Cool. And so he grew up duck hunting in Texas or whatever, and then he started running upland stuff. And so I had him in Georgia, and Chad was always like. I'm not going to meet Nick like you talk about Nick all the time I'm like never because you're gonna steal him and he's gonna want to <laughs> be a duck hunter again and you know you value those people that buy into right. your dream and find their place within your vision so that they can add their dream on to it because it takes a village to do this um yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so lo and behold yes yeah, so now he's on the road with um the fell life but He's still good. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I, I didn't lose him, but I would say I brought him with me, but yeah, it's really yeah. funny because we do covet like the whole team. Like yeah. you did all that as a vision, knowing that it was going to take more than just one person. So I met somebody on your team when I dropped off birdie and
0: Oh yeah. Marie.
1: Yeah. And it was so cool because, um, thank you, dear. Uh, we just It was really cool to meet another chick that like loved short hairs and labs. I was like, yes, there are people like me, you know, that we like firecrackers and then our couch potato, which I can't say my labs are really like, no, they got, big. I mean, mine
0: are as they mature, you know, by, by two years old, they, they start figuring out, you know, how to settle down and, and, soak up the both lifestyles right like the chill out it's movie time and then Mm -hmm. outdoors is go time um but yeah no marie's bad to the bone um she's been with me for about a year and a half worked for another kennel for a year before that and brought around to kind of you know advance her skill set and actually it's a sad we got two more months together she's opening up her own business in new hampshire um and that was kind of the deal so she she came here to a seminar that I put on and said, Hey, if you're ever looking for help, you know, I'd love to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, all right. That's scary to have a (laughs) full-time worker. So I was like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Thanks. But it worked out great. But the deal was, and she's going to give me a year and a half. I'm going to teach her as much as I can. And then, you know, her and her husband will move back to they, They have a farm in New Hampshire. So I'm like, yeah, heck yeah, let's do this. And she has been the biggest asset and friend and he's the greatest guy in the world. Like Mr. Fix it smartest dude I've ever met. Um, so we all have a great relationship. We all bust our butt. There's like, she's out there taking care of dogs right now while I'm in here, you know, doing this. And so I can trust her with, you know, the keys to my house, the keys to my truck. Yeah. You know, the livelihoods of all our client dogs. She's, she's awesome. I'll miss her dearly.
1: Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I was not letting Nick go, no matter what, <laughs> but wherever I go, he goes or vice versa. So, because when you do have that help and I mean, I still have four dogs, so um, I, I'm not even down to one. <sighs> I got one lab. What do you have them. right now? Um, I've got three short hairs mm-hmm. and a lab, but I think ideally if I stay on the road, like I am and, and, you know, I've, I've just had this conversation about seasons of life and, and I had it with you too. And, and it was hard to make that decision because we get so attached to the training schedule and to that accomplishment every single day of watching these dogs and the light bulbs come on. And then just the um, influence that we have with our clients on their entire lifestyle. So a lot of times like they may have a job that they hate or they're stuck in a career or stuck in a rut of life and they get a dog to bring something to their life so it's so much more than just getting people involved in hunting you know and then they become like friends you know especially when you have a kennel set up like you where you coach other people people want to hang out there and then they find their joy around you and stuff and so knowing that um I was going to go back to like the marketing side of of the of our industry which I had been in before Mm -hmm. and focused on shooting I just knew that I was going to have to it's gonna have to give that up, and it, and I knew that the reward would come, and that I had a purpose, and it had to be done. But it was still a hard thing to give up.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine leave
1: getting up at six a.m. with the kennel roaring and all that stuff. Like I'm spoiled now, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that part, that part, that that gets old. And like tonight, i so we're after this podcast, we're I'm hanging up, I'm jumping on a Zoom happy hour with like our Patreon community. And so I'll get done, you know, being this Bob. And then guess what? I'm walking outside and airing 30 something dogs until probably nine, nine thirty, And then I come in and finally get to sit down. And so, you know, everybody says they want to be a dog trainer and you know it, you know, you've, you've been in that role at, before. And so, you know, they're living, breathing animals. We can't close this computer down and say, Oh, I'm done for the day. No, Mm-mm. there's always something to be done. There's always grass to be mowed. There's always poop to be picked up and it's, it never ends.
1: Oh my gosh. And I just worried sick about, you never know what they're going to eat or, <laughs> and it's like, how do they even find something? So I, you know, I mean, it was just always something. It was like a complete circus, especially with the short hairs They're I'm like, just chill out and like, stop getting yourself in trouble somehow, you know? Yep. It, it was it was funny because it's like preschool on steroids
0: oh yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah the, listen they're knuckleheads um i mean there's, there's not a whole
1: a- reality show of just having a live camera in the kennel
0: <laughs> like, oh yeah which,
1: like how many times do you just throw your hands up in one day and being like how the heck did that just happen <laughs> yeah
0: yeah the the best is when people are like, oh, I love it. My my dog loves water. Whenever I turn the hose on, he bites at the water. I'm like, that's the worst dog in the kennel, bud. Because every <laughs> time you're cleaning, every time you're using the hose, here comes, you know, Fido <laughs> takes out your hand.
1: <sighs> and the Houdini's. It's like, how do these dogs parties. learn to get escape?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know.
1: I know. Like the, there is a humor side. If you, I mean, you kind of have to force yourself to to make sure it stays on the humor side but yeah it's really funny when people that haven't spent time in a kennel know what goes on behind the scenes
0: no no or (laughs) the work or truthfully the work too like oh yeah they see us quote unquote playing with dogs all day and that's from 8 a.m till 5 6 p.m the 5 a.m to 8 a.m that's there too and then that 6 PM to 8 PM that's there too. And so they all get to go home and have dinner and hang out with their family and I'm still cranking or my employees are still cranking. And, uh, so it's a tough lifestyle for anyone who thinks they want to do it. I would encourage you to chase your dreams, but I would also encourage you to go work for someone and make sure that it's the right fit for you before, you know, you invest in a big dog truck and a big dog trailer and, you know, yeah, the it. first
1: thing you should say is don't come train with me today. clean the kennel for three days and see if you still love it
0: <laughs> that's right yeah i'll yeah. see you at 5 30
1: yeah. yeah um no that is fine and i think it got off on on something but you know i just don't ever think there's anything that could replace that time in my life just you really find out what you're made of and who you mm-hmm. are like the standards that you have because every single day you're you have to dig deep every single day it was like you have to push through something you know the challenges of training a dog is sometimes like just beating your head against a wall um because yeah,
0: that's a hard one for everybody people to understand understands,
1: yeah. yeah that genetic life and until you get to the place where you're able to produce enough puppies to be training your own genetics and just have that wheel that turns so easy
0: And I, even when you say that, that makes me go, I've, I've bred a good bit of dogs and there's always one that comes back that you're like, what in the (laughs) heck is this? Um, Yeah. You know, and then the other thought I have is like, you know, we're, every day you're trying to advance the dog, right? Every day or week, you're trying to make improvements, whether it's in just in obedience or just in the collar conditioning portion or the force fetch or T pattern or running blinds or marking ability and stuff. Um, I'm like mentally tired at the end of the day because every minute that I take that dog from the dog truck to the line or wherever we're, whatever we're doing at that moment, I'm reading the dog's body language. I'm picking up on cues. I'm thinking before they're doing, right? I'm trying to be proactive instead of reactive. And so, you know, you've got 30 something dogs rolling and I've got employees. So I'm not just training 30 dogs, but you know, if I've got 20 on my truck and Marie's got 12 on her truck, you know, I'm watching every little piece and puzzle and then also talking to clients and explaining what's going on and trying to react to the dog. And so you're just mentally exhausted. Then it's not mm-hmm. just going and throwing bumpers in your backyard, dog training. It's it's a science, it's a finesse game. It's a thinking person's game.
1: It's a timing game. You have to yeah, be on timing. every single second. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's just fun to bring out the reality of it because people don't know until you share it. Right, yeah, but it is so rewarding at the end of the day when you can curl up on the couch with the dog that built you.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And be like,
1: I did all this all day because of this dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty rewarding to me that you, um, you the birdie came to you with some kind of sense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: proud. I'm super proud because, like, we do have littles now, and so. You know, I am like uh, with the level of um, expertise that I'm surrounded by on the duck hunting world now, I'm a total wannabe. And I remember the time when that's what I was on the upland side or in the tournament side, especially when I first started. So, you know, I look forward to this new season and learning about this because of my training time and getting involved in the retriever world and being exposed to that day in and day out training periods. Like I have so much respect for what goes into the hunt now far beyond, um, just setting decoys and that kind of thing. But that dog work is so special and knowing how much time to put into it, to get a dog, to just go get a duck,
0: you know, like a chance to hunt with uh, Mr. Brad Arrington yet.
1: No, but, um, I haven't, but I think I'll end up probably having to send littles down there because okay. I'm just not set up to finish her. And, and I want her to maximize her potential. Like that Absolutely. dog's a rock star on, on pheasants and chucker. And we've done so well in the tournament world for the little bit that she got exposed to. So yeah, I, I told Chad, I'm like, well, my second day snow goose season this last year, I got to run Axel by myself, like took yeah. him by myself and I want like that bond cause he loves Chad so much. Like he even went back to Georgia with me and I took him to Brad for him to finish, mm-hmm. um, the grand thing everything through the summer and, and this fall. So I'm like, I want a dog that loves me that much. That's at this level. Like I yeah. want that so bad. Yeah. Well, and Brad
0: and Brad and Lee can make we, that for him.
1: I know. And so, um, when we took Axel down there and dropped him off, Tater's had massive success running dogs and, and a lot of experience being in it for three years with um just running retrievers every day. And so she got to hang out with Lee down there and she got what was what was that dog you ran, Taterbug? Um, what was the dog that came out of there that won the SRS? Um, Stroker. You know oh, yeah. Stroker. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a video with Taterbug with Stroker, and I'm like, you don't know what a big deal that is right now.
0: But someday but as you as,
1: yeah as much as you love the retriever world and knowing how much like you're committed to it one day this is gonna be a prize picture for you yeah so yeah. um we're gonna get littles down there and get her some m- bigger manners under her belt and let lee keep coaching tater and you Good know something you. else is super cool connection with them that people really don't know but uh Ducks Unlimited put me with Brad years ago to get Tater started on retrievers and stuff and I didn't realize he was so far away from us this is still five hours from our house in Georgia but what's super cool is JC has been involved with Ducks Unlimited and the SRS has an opportunity for youth um, handlers at one of their big tests that they do yeah and so JC's going to get to team up with Mossy Pond at SRS and so I just had no idea when I got one bird dog that it would turn into this.
0: Yeah. Your world's upside down. <laughs> because I, you
1: know, I wasn't like, you know, so like I didn't have a dad or anything that exposed me to this world. I just, I literally stumbled on it, but just like you, I got addicted to it. And when the door opened, I couldn't wait to get through it and True. just figure it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm still figuring it out. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs>
1: and What's so funny is that all of us kind of share the same message unless you're like, Ronnie and Susanna's twins, like they're going to be pros at the age of like 15, mm-hmm. you know, but there are very few of us that get to be born into a legendary trainer life like that. We just have some type of thing. Cause when I was little, I want to be a vet too. And I worked at a vet clinic and I did all the FFA stuff. And I I did all the livestock judge and everything to get my scholarship money from the FFA and, cool. <laughs> And then I went to school for construction because that's what my family did, you know, and then the market crashed and then I started shooting and the shooting led me to the dogs. And so sometimes we just end up where we're supposed to be.
0: I agree. Yeah. It's a weird, weird thing. And like I said, when I was a little, little boy, like drawing pictures saying, I want to be a policeman, but with a police dog, I want to be a hunting guide with a duck dog. I mean, it, it was like every movie, if it had a dog in it, I was hooked. I didn't like reading books, but man, I read the, where the red fern grows like 20 no times.
1: No way. So my first dog was a red bone hound named Honeybell and I, and nice. I had a red pickup truck, five speed Toyota, and she'd ride around there with me. Yeah. I yeah. was with you. Yeah. Um, I ate her dressed up like that with littles. We put cool. littles in a little sack for Halloween one year. That's, That's the best awesome. book.
0: Yes. Yeah, listening. So good.
1: You have kids. It's a super sad story. We all know, but it's just life. You gotta watch for the red friend grows with your kids.
0: That's right. Yeah. I mean, and it'll hook them into that. It's the unspoken bond. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it. I can't coin a better term. I I've never even tried again. It just it clicked one day that they can't talk to you. You know, we talk to them, but they don't really know English, right? It's just you can sit there with them in silence and be like, this is sweet. This is what it's about. And there's nothing else that gives us that kind of affection, effort, um, unconditional love. And then that's just your pet. Now combine that with the hours and hours and hours that we put into them to make them our hunting companion. And then they go and get, you know, and we work super hard at duck hunting. You know, we scout a ton and you get land that you can hunt and, you finally find the birds and you go and kill one and it's like my dog did what it was trained to do from all those hours that we put in and it went and got it and brought it back to me it's like i just got chills like that's what it's about
1: i know that
0: is what it's about it's unreal
1: it is unreal. and then um you know just to watch the kids the tater was so involved raising her own dog dolly and now to this day, sometimes Dolly just gives me the finger and Tater can say <laughs> the exact same thing right after me and her do it with zero hesitation, yep. you know, and, and most of the time it's backwards, right? Where the dogs don't respect the kids and right. we have to add that extra layer of training on there for them to respect the the little person. Yeah. And Tater's dog is totally opposite.
0: What kind of dog is, is Dolly?
1: She's a short hair.
0: Nice. What we'll color?
1: Liver. Nice. Yeah, all she, liver or leg no, she's wrong. a she's a liver with heavy ticking. Cool. She's got some patches. She's like the, you know, when you think of the German short hair pointer, you probably think of what she looks like. Cool. Yeah.
0: They're beautiful animal. I, I love a short hair. Um we don't train them that often here anymore, but back again, back in the day when I was grinding and figuring it all out, I would train anything that walked on four legs. <laughs> um if the check cleared, I trained it. So, uh, back in the day, I would be doing a ton of short hairs and poodle pointers and Weimaraners and drothars and, um, setters. And I actually own a setter that that's one of my favorite dogs I've, I've ever owned. She's my little grouse and woodcock dog. And yeah, she's like a little mini truck dog. She's pretty cool.
1: You know, I've had the best luck in the grouse woods up there with a lab
0: isn't it crazy
1: like i just got the you know she just runs really close and well you're
0: you're the upland stuff though i mean that kind of makes sense right yeah yeah
1: yeah oh yeah with with littles being an upland dog or whatever it was her mom like her mom's rock star upland dog to do anything i believe it yeah
0: i believe it mine are more you know go straight and come back straight you know stop on a whistle and do what i tell them to but uh I just, and that's work, right? Like, even if I'm duck hunting, I still hold them to a really high standard and, and want them to be really good at it and impressive type of thing. Like a little bit of ego, I guess, where when I'm in the grouse woods with this setter, it's like vacation. I don't care. I could care less what she does other than go come and point at anything else. <laughs> like she can do whatever she wants. And if she doesn't come, it's okay too. I'll find her in a minute. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty good she's she's not that bad but uh oh I, just my gosh. Have that. Well,
1: I get to take mine chucker hunting for the first time like real live chucker hunting so the georgia
0: girl
1: yeah I, for, nice. for me this is like i never thought that i would have dogs this far west yeah you know? so it's really so really exciting
0: last year was master national in idaho mm-hmm. and i took andy my setter with me her name is andy that's a girl it's got an eye With a little heart over the eye. Yeah, Yeah. a little heart. (laughs) No, I never done the heart, but so anyways, so I took her with me and I wanted to try and do like mountain grouse and, and chucker and pheasant on the way back. And we got, I think we killed like 10 grouse in Idaho, right at the master national grounds. It was two minutes from our Airbnb and it was like, go train all day. Dinner's being cooked. And she and I'd go for an hour and we would kill two. And I go back three, four days later, killed it. And we had the best time. And so I'm driving home, middle of nowhere, Idaho. And I pull over and I see the sign for Hell's Canyon. And I know from social media, Hell's Canyon is like Chucker Country. So I'm like, hmm, maybe (laughs) this 40-hour car ride can become 42 hours. So I pull over to a coffee shop thinking, I mean, this is like a no stop sign town you're in it and you're gone. So I pull over to a coffee shop and I walk in and there's like six old ladies sitting down having coffee. And I'm like, I ain't going to know any chucker country. So I get myself a coffee and I I bag the idea. And as I'm walking out, a guy around my age walks in, in an upland outfit.
1: No way.
0: Yes. I mean, if I was five minutes earlier or 10 minutes late, I wouldn't have seen him. And he just got done hunting chuckers with his graffon. And I, I go, excuse me, bud, can I ask a favor? I'm driving back to New York. I'll never hunt your spot again. I'll never tell anyone your spot again. <laughs> I will never speak of this location to anyone. Is there a place that I can go and walk for two hours that you think I might bump into a chucker? And he goes, yep, go down the road, you know, this way, turn left over a bridge, drive 20 minutes. You'll be scaling and like switch backing up a mountain, park on the side of the road and just walk uphill. And that's what i did and we flushed three coveys and i killed two. Oh my freaking unbelievable
1: just you and uh, you and little andy
0: raggedy andy yep that's it so cool you know,
1: the, and the those are sometimes the best memories that you have like they're not planned they just surprise you and and yeah. you have that time with your dog and i
0: and know just what a what a, a what a great dude to give his hunting spot up yeah and b timing like that serendipitous timing of if I was just a little bit early or a little bit late it would have just still been those six old ladies and I'd have walked out and kept driving so thank you to that young guy that uh hooked me up and and like pay it forward like if if someone pulls the old like hey I'm from uh Kansas and I'm here in New York where can we go hook them up like don't be stingy they're not going to kill all your birds. It'll be fine, but show them a good time. Maybe take them with you. It'll, it'll all work out. Pay it forward.
1: Yeah. So. I I mean, I haven't really ever stopped in a, I have asked farmers like driving around in, in North Dakota and mm-hmm. you find a farmer in a tractor and he's cutting the cornfield and you see the slough with the water and you're like, there's where the birds are. They got to let me yeah. take a few passes. Um, yeah, and that was kind of the thing for me. I, I never thought, like, I'm here in North Dakota with my trailer full of dogs. Like, yeah. what in the world? So, um, iconic thing. I mean, it's kind of like winning a lottery ticket when you get to bag all your birds, right? And In sounds- one day. It, you don't forget that. But I got to do it in the first 20 minutes of the oh, first awesome. 20 hours that I was there. And I'm like... This is crazy. And, and it was so cool for me too, because I come from the pointer world and, and I just never was in the hunt test world with the pointer. So I never got to the point of pushing your dog to that master level with the hand signals and all that stuff. For, sure. for me, that was just a retriever thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, that first time when we just pulled over, cause we saw one just run right across the road. So we <laughs> stopped and I was like, okay, well, there's birds here. Um, at least just, one if we get them yeah and so um actually we got out she put up two bang bang I already had two done and was just like what like how did that just happen like it's it's like 10.05 you yeah. know yeah. That's and amazing. um and I got to like send her around the cattails it's not even just like you get two of them but then it's like you do these amazing retrieves and then yeah. you're like waiting, waiting, waiting. Like, don't lose it in the cattails. Don't lose it in the cattails. And they come back around with pheasant in their mouth, and you just literally feel like somebody hands you a million bucks.
0: I know it. I know it. I need to go out west more. I've I, Realistically, I've never even been out that far um, ever before. So the opportunity to go to Idaho for the Master National was, was epic. I mean, it was I don't know it's just something that I don't know if I'll get to do again I mean it's a long ride it's tough on me tough on the dogs you're gone for three to four weeks from your family i mean it's hard to go that far but I will never forget chucker hunting I'll never we got an opportunity to hunt pheasants in montana on the ride home again an Instagram buddy um, who's a fellow retriever trainer um, He saw that I was driving, you know, I'm like.
1: Okay, I need him. to drive through Montana. Do you think that I could just drop in yeah. on your buddy in so, Montana? You know, it's, it's kind of funny. So like,
0: you know, the, the, what's his name? The thin piece of paper guy, Flat Stanley. Yeah. You ever done Flat Stanley?
1: No, but I know what you're talking about. All
0: right. So I had to do Flat Stanley for my nieces on this road okay. trip. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm Instagramming me and Flat Stanley going across the country and back. <laughs> And he sees that I'm in Montana and he's like, dude, you just passed me. Um, are you going to try and hunt? I'm like, man, I would love it. I, I, I'm, I could do it tomorrow. Right. Um, and he's like, here are open up your Onyx. Here here, two pins. This is land that you can hunt. Okie dokie smoky. So the next day I got up, drove, you know, three more hours to those pins it was right off the exit so it didn't take any time and we hunted for a while i took my old dog memphis and andy snowing crappy didn't see a bird and we're walking back to the truck and i'm like three minutes from the truck and off goes a rooster pheasant one shot one kill nice retrieve by memphis and uh so I got a chucker and a rooster pheasant, which Andy ate the taxidermy. It's sitting over there half eaten. No! So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he ate the crap out of it. So she's not allowed in my office anymore. Oh, well.
1: Have those, to go back. those pointers, I tell you what.
0: They get into trouble.
1: They do. That's what I'm talking about. Like you just turn your head for a second and there yep. they are.
0: Yep. They get into trouble. They're hey. always cutting something on themselves. It's always
1: that's what worries me, like in the Dakotas and stuff, running the short airs is without vests, is because those fences just get covered up, right? And ground, and you don't ever know when you're going to run into a barbed wire fence, you know, even for yourself, right? Because the dog could blow through it, and then you come and then it grabs you, you know? Yep,
0: Yep. So,
1: it that is a tough thing to plan for, but. Yeah. I have, luckily I've not ever had a dog get really bad injured on a trip. And
0: can I ask you a question? Maybe we can go, uh, yeah. I'll take over for a second. <laughs> I want to know love your. This. I want to know your most memorable. Like moment with a dog in the field, like you shot it, it did what it was supposed to da 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 da. Like Mo or, or it screwed up like most memorable that those are always my favorites for people to like, reminisce on, on that.
1: Okay. Well, it's going to have to be tournament hunting. Like there's no other rush like it Mm -hmm. because it's everything that people love about, um, about hunting in general with your dog, except for when you win the trophy too, (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. you know,
1: and you come home with the hardware, it's even better. And I got addicted to that teamwork with my dog. Cool. and it would have to be that and um you know the beat running the bdc was definitely a bucket list thing for me because i started in the ufta down south and um that was a quail game and the bdc runs chucker and it was like they had their own tv show and it was like that's where the best of the best tournament hunters were because they were on tv you know yeah, and yeah. so um running that i would probably be um My last tournament, I don't really ever talk about this, but well, that whole last year, I think just being able to pull a dog off a trailer and not even knowing their name, sometimes running client dogs and having that success, just personal, like I never competed against anybody else. Mm -hmm. It was always against myself. What did I know about this dog? Um, What expectations did I have for us in the field? Mm -hmm. You know? And so... I think those would be my special, like my most special hunts. Um, I'm trying to think what year this was. It was my second year in ladies at nationals. Um, I ended up taking ladies player of the year. And then I took first, second and third. Hey, sweet. And the second, like the getting into finals that year I knew that if I didn't get cheated in the field, it was going to be really hard for anybody to beat me with two dogs. Cause those two dogs and I, we were just fire, lightning and fire. And we, I just knew I had the, I had the competition confidence that as long as those birds were there, those dogs were going to find them. And I sure as heck was going to shoot them. Cool. So there was a new dog I was running and, and, um, he was so hard-mouthed. God mighty he had the hardest stuff. you like, had to walk your <laughs> fingers, you know, because this is all lightning fast. So yeah. it was really easy to get bit when you put your finger in the wrong place on a bird. Um, but a double came up. So the person that ran in front of me, which I can't see run, n- like, didn't find their back bird. Well, when they planted mine in the same area, so there was two birds. Well, he went in, flushed two at one time. So I took a double in the back of the field.
0: You killed them both?
1: Yeah. So bang, bang, got that. And, and I was not like super experienced, you know, in this whole retriever world, but I've watched really, really great trainers to enough where I'm like, if I just mimic what I've watched them do, I don't have to understand every step. I just got to get that dog to pick up that bird. Cause he marked one, brought it right back to me. I hit that whistle set and sent him to where that bird landed and he brought it right back. And that put me with all of those dogs into the finals. And if I Mm -hmm. didn't have those skills or if I had a dog that wasn't trained up to that level, I never would have been able to made that place, you know? And so that was super iconic for me. And, and the way the field laid, everybody watching the field, couldn't see it happen. So it was like a super private moment with just me and this dog and then the judge that's cool. And I was like, I am a freaking rock star and I don't care if anybody knows, but <laughs> I just figured out the retriever world and this is a heck of a good time.
0: Good for you. And
1: so it was, I would say it was probably running that dog, that's
0: you know, super cool.
1: because everything came together and it had to happen. It was, it, I mean, fraction of seconds mattered Yeah. and, and it just, it was perfect.
0: Good for you. Yeah. That's a super cool story. It's neat. And, and you know what, like kudos to you that stress level during competition is high. Nerves are high. Um, you have to be super hyper-focused on everything that's going on around you. You killed both birds. Like that's a great, and you're a shooter, so whatever, but still that's awesome. Right. Like, yeah.
1: And that's the difference. Like, could you imagine the stress of you and your hunt tests? I mean, you're having to shoot your own birds too. And that dog can't move, you know, it can't go yeah. off track because that's time. That's right. You know? So it's it is a lot of things. And that's what's created my niche, really, is yeah, I was a shooter and then I got all this dog experience that is priceless to me because yeah. that's what I loved. But right. I'm still just a shooter, right? I haven't been able to commit enough time to be like, yeah, I'm a pro dog trainer. I, you know, I, I wanted to be, but God had other plans. I'm with so, you. Running that tournament made me a niche market where, like, my advice is all about what to do when you get your dog back from your trainer and you've gone with your shooting coach. Because some people are going to fall apart on their shooting because they're so focused on their dog, right. or somebody's going to be so focused on their shooting, they're going to let their dog get away with things and then it's going to get its bad habits back. So, it's like, how do you juggle all that? And nobody's Hard. really sharing that part. Yeah. So, yeah. Once I get out of the podcast you, I'm going to have to start putting all that out there. But I tell you what, if you have a dog and you, and you just love your dog, I cannot stress how much fun tournament hunting is. No matter if you take it to like a big time level or you just do your local club.
0: Yeah. I say the same thing with hunt tests and stuff. Just- oh,
1: I love the hunt test game and Tater got to spend time doing it and I really didn't, but, um, I trained for it.
0: Yeah. And- it's fun. It's, it's duck season outside of duck season. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, duck season is a short time in our year. And even though people say they hunt a lot, a lot of them only get to go out 10 or 15 times, maybe, you know, you can extend your season, set higher goals for you and your dog, be around like-minded people that enjoy their dogs. And it's just fun. It's something, something to do. In okay.
1: World. So let me tell you what's so funny about this. All right. My background is, is horse world, right? And so- yeah at horse shows everybody shows up and everybody has like matching um tack with the farm logos and you're like promoting your trainer like you know he's your first hero and <laughs> you know everything's like color coordinated and everything so my whole idea was to show up to hunt tests, and we were all gonna be like tailgating and like yeah. cheering your dog on and it was like so serious so i already told brad like when, when we come to watch Axel, I'm having everybody matching shirts and koozies and everything like we're, we're bringing this because that's the whole thing is like, clients may not get all the hours that you're putting in there, but if they knew yeah. man alive that everybody there would have lone duck outfits on. And, you know,
0: I'll be honest with, with you I got name
1: a, and everything, I, you know,
0: I have a crew, I've got a crew and I they're think the that's best. So cool. Yeah, they are the best. they and like you said, their clients have became friends. Yeah. Um. They come and train a good bit, but when we show up to a hunt test, it's like, damn, they're more decked out in lone duck gear than I ever could be. (laughs) I Um, love that
1: because the trainers will get together afterwards, and everybody will hang out and cook out, you know, and tailgate kind of thing. Yeah. But I was so shocked that like the owners weren't there, and I'm like, Yeah. Do these people not know they need to be watching their kid run, you know, and cheering on everybody? It
0: depends, especially like if you look at the Mossy Pond crew as an example, they've got clients from all over the country. You know, I bet they've got clients from every state in the country, um, where, and I'm kind of in the same boat, but on a different scale, I would say, but, uh, you know, we got dogs from Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Ohio, Georgia, South Carolina, Virginia. So those owners, the ones that are further than five hours away, I mean,
1: they're not going to come.
0: They're not going to come. They might come once. Uh, and experience it but the ones who are diehards will drive eight to ten hours and watch me run their dog and then the cool part is handing the dog over to them and saying like it's your turn now yeah. Go, go have fun feel the nerves like i have one good friend uh, that i'm thinking of um i've got a master title on his dog and he's now taking over the reins and he had a heart attack last deer season he killed a deer toting it out of the woods, like damn near fatal heart attack called his wife saying goodbye. I mean, it was like tragic. Well, now he's got to have one of those Apple watches that does his heart rate for him. And his heart rate is so high (laughs) that it's like alerting him while he's running the dog. They're like, you got to calm down, man. Your heart is pounded too hard. So it's, it's a really fun thing to watch him run because of the nerves and the excitement and like you know just yeah it's it's a rush rush. yeah it's a rush the
1: the hunt test world was so encouraging and there's just people there that like that that are all over the place you know we hear so much about the pros in the hunt test world but i don't think the amateurs are showcased enough that are showing up with their dog that they've trained in the backyard running junior and you know, or people that are pushing to the senior level and saying, well, I don't really know if I should be here, but we really want this so bad. Maybe we'll have a good day. Those people are there and their heart is just in it as yours that has all the years of experience, you know, and, and then, and then the the, um, ribbon ceremonies, every time, you know, you're in there, it's so cool how people just show up to support each group yeah so i i thoroughly enjoyed it i just i just remember being like i thought there would be so many more tailgaters and yeah people watching
0: yeah and that so that makes me think of when you said ribbon ceremony you know i'll get phone calls from from people like hey i got a yellow lab and uh i just want a good hunting dog i don't need those ribbons or any of that stuff and uh you know, i just want to go to hunt dog I'm like yeah, that's cool man we can do that and Then they may be coming and watch. And then maybe they're like, this is freaking cool. And then they go and watch a senior and master level dog run. And they're like, this is, this is my dog do that.
1: Do you think my dog can do that? I think my dog can do that. Yeah. And then they're like,
0: let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. And then they're hooked. And and so I think if I can encourage anybody, if you're that person sitting there going, yeah, you know, I don't need those ribbons. I just need them to go get a duck this season. That's cool. I'm just pushing you to try it. Just try it. Go have fun. Go take a a Saturday with your wife and kids or husband and kids and, and tailgate, like you said, bring your little cooker on the tailgate, you know, make some hot dogs and stuff for the kids and, and participate in a hunt test, whether it's HRC uh, for the labs, I'll I'll do the lab one first, right? So it'd be HRC is the hunting retriever club by you. It's the United Kennel club. And so it's HRC. The next one is the AKC Hunt Tests. And then there's another one called NARA, N-A-H-R-A, if I can do that right. Uh, and and so you can find these local clubs and hunt tests online. And then in the short hair world, there's NAVDA. So the North oh, American Virtual. They're, they have training growing.
1: groups. You don't, you don't even have to train your dog by yourself. They actually have training groups that yeah. compete together to set those standards.
0: Yep. Same and with the retriever world, right? There's, yeah, there's they just hold your hand over. the whole
1: way through. Yeah. Yep.
0: They'll help you get your dog there. But so the pointing dog world would be NAVDA. Um, and then AKC has hunt tests as well for pointers. So it's mm-hmm. still junior, senior master and and the rules are there for that. Um, and then there's field trials and that's win and lose, not pass and fail for both categories, retrievers and pointers. Um, there's, uh, what are they called cover dogs, right? So cover dog trials for your setters and short hairs for grouse hunting. There's the, the tournament hunting, like you did, like there's something in it for anyone that they can take their family. They can work their dog, whatever breed it is, get them to a certain level and go play. See how you know,
1: that's so true. What you just said—the key factor there. Every single one of these activities is family-oriented. Yeah. And with us tournament hunters, it was hilarious to see all of us because we're adults pretending we're still kids, right? Playing these yeah. fun games, like totally gambling on dogs, is really yeah. what we're doing. And um, and then we've got these kids—they're just running around taking care of themselves, like just. Yep. Cooler hopping. Like yep. who's got the best snacks? And and if you're gone and there's a group of kids there, like if you don't lock your cooler up, <laughs> there's yep. gonna be kids in it. And it was so much fun because there's a there's this bird dog family that you end up raising your kids with.
0: Yep, absolutely. You know what I found the South did it the most right. I've I've traveled all over the country doing it now. The South did it right. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama. Texas, um, Tennessee.
1: Cause I've never, I've never hunt tested in the South. So like, what do they do? That's so different.
0: That, that is where I see the most amount of community. And that's the word I would use. It's just community. So it's like, you know, there's a three hour to five hour radius of driving to hit all these different hunt tests up. Right. Mm -hmm. So the same people, people you see in North Carolina hit up the same, a different test in Georgia. And so they really become this close knit dog family and their kids grow up together and they're running, you know, junior handlers. So, you know, eight to 18 year old kids running their own dogs or their parents' dogs or, you know, a train, you know, but Brad or Lee has their parents' dog and they have their, you know, that master hunter running junior. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's a great community. And, but I think the South does it the most right. You know, up here in New York, there's a little bit less of like the parents bringing the kids. It happens. It's there, but it's not like 10 groups of parents bringing their kids mm-hmm. in the South. It's 10 groups of parents bringing their kids every time.
1: That's so cool. Well, we're going to have to make a point to make time to, to go to a hunt test um, down South. Just because I you don't know until you know, and I say that all the time. But I would have been obsessive about every single aspect of the dog world. If yeah. I had just known what I know now. Yeah. And I tell my parents all the time, like, why did y'all send me to basketball camp? Or why was I a soccer player in college? Y'all should have gave me a shotgun when I turned 12, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and so, um, because there's only so much time now. And and if I could have done this as a kid, holy yeah. smokes. Like, I mean, I feel like I had a great childhood, um, oh, of course. In the yeah, so outdoors, him. and I was still hunting, you know, but there's just something so special about spending family time with the dogs and yep. the dog people. I've cool. I've just enjoyed the heck out of raising my kids in this world, and I couldn't imagine doing it any different.
0: No, I agree. All right. Second question I got for you. What kind of shotgun is your like sporting clay, like work, like that kind of gun?
1: Huh. Well. Which one am I shooting right now? Or is that what you want to know? Which one I'm shooting right now?
0: Nah. Uh, yes. But like I have a favorite gun. It's a Browning Satori 12 gauge. It's banged up. It's scratched up. It's got bent ribs, but I can shoot that thing lights out with the lights off. Um, what's, what's that gun for you?
1: That gun for me would have been, you know, to go back to my tournament gun, which is, I shot different things. So my my tournament gun was um, the Rosini round body 12 gauge. Mm -hmm. And I ended up with COVID before we knew about COVID.
0: Oh, nice. Congrats. Like like that few
1: weeks (laughs) before. And I thought I was going to die and we didn't know what was wrong with me. But I was planning on going to BDC Nationals for our first time. And I was like, heck, no, I'm not missing this. I don't care how sick I am. Like, I cannot miss this, right? So I was camped out every other day at the doctor's office, which I was from the small town, Georgia. So it was like five minute ride and they only have like two rooms there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Tiny place. So they just like pumped me full of fluids and B12 and whatever. And And I got back on my feet. I drove to Kansas after being in the bed for like eight days. And I had just gotten that gun the week before I got sick. So I didn't have no experience with it, none. Dang. And then I won nationals with that gun. I was like, this this is it. Like, is But one. my trainer had had a really hard time and, and I've podcasted with him about finding me a gun. I think I was the worst client he's ever had. And, um, and so I picked that gun up and it just worked. So, but if I'm upland hunting, I'm shooting a side-by-side. Side.
0: Really?
1: So I what always- gauge? uh 20 or 28 you know just depending on where i am but like all the grouse hunting and everything i've ever done i've shot the the side by side like the b br 110 so yeah like i love a side by side so
0: yeah i really only
1: shoot the over under you know at the tournament if i'm tournament hunting and if i'm clay shooting like i would shoot the same one
0: yeah so i that browning satori over under is my duck goose, you know, go-to gun, but I was gifted a 16 gauge Ithaca side-by-side, you know, from like the 1950s. And I've taken that grouse and woodcock hunting a lot and had a lot of fun with that gun. Um, do you have a duck gun for this season that you're excited to be working with?
1: So I will be shooting a, um, super black Eagle tricked out by rob roberts yeah yeah rob roberts is like one of my most favorite people i've ever met in the honey never
0: met him but he's i hear great things
1: he is hilarious he's that's i cool. mean like he's just one of my favorite people cool so yeah and um i'm a lefty so everything that i have is you know it's gonna lefty. be i'm a lefty all of us are we all right right-handed and we shoot left-handed really Me and both my girls yeah that's cool Uh, no, it's not really cool. It's pretty awkward and causes a lot of complications, but
0: can't you get a left-handed gun?
1: You can shoot you can shoot a lefty black eagle. Yeah, they make those, but finding a left-handed gun is not really that easy. Especially like the youth stuff for Hallie Joe. That's
0: hard. That makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. I would imagine youth is hard, but I don't know. I'm a righty, so my bad.
1: I know I wish I could I can I can shoot right-handed but I'm better left
0: gotcha is it the dominance thing with your eye or you just picked up a gun and started shooting it that way
1: um my dad made me shoot and do he made me do everything both hands growing up
0: what a good dad
1: (laughs) um yeah he actually well he actually had a hunting accident January 1st of 1984 he was shot in the head with a 30-06, pretty much between the eyes, um, sitting in a deer stand. So he ends up with paralysis on his right side in his late 20s and had to learn to do everything with his left hand, and I was three. So um, that's just kind of what was given to me. So I can typically pick anything up and do it with either hand because he made me do it. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to the eye dominance thing, I I would say that I am – majority of the time left eye dominant.
0: Gotcha. You know how dumb I am? I don't know which one I do. <laughs> like I think, you know how the people will be like, all right, put your finger here and, and yeah. close one eye and do the other on which one moves. I'm like, I think they're both moving. I don't really know. Um, but, but they typically could be
1: moving, they they could both move. That is. Yeah. That, that could kind of happen.
0: Yeah. I'm not really sure. But as I mean, long
1: as you're not missing birds, don't even overthink all that stuff. That's like,
0: kind of how if, I am. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what I think. So I think I keep my eyes open. And then when I pull the trigger, I think I close them both and they just ducks fall. Oh yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, so that, I mean, that's what I shot last year, um, goose hunting and, and duck hunting. So that's what I pick up when I'm, when I'm out in the field, I don't take, I don't take the pretty guns out there, but I sure like shooting the pretty guns.
0: Good for you. That's sweet. That's sweet. Yeah. Well,
1: well, this yeah. was so much fun, and this I'm glad of, we got to just chat about life and the things that we love, and really the thing that you know crossed our paths.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm really thankful that you trusted me with with Birdie. Um, and I'm really thankful that she found a great home with kids and is going to get the duck hunt a ton. Um, She's going to
1: be a rock star for them, and yeah. maybe they will want to come because enjoying this hunt test world she would she's lights out built for that and um so if you guys are in new york area and want to train with um bob you need to check out lone duck and i know he spends his winters in one of the most gorgeous places in the middle of south carolina i i'll never forget driving down that driveway thinking i can't believe i only have 30 minutes here because that's a really cool, special place for you to get to train and thank you. and build dogs and build memories there. So, um, you guys check out Lone Duck on Instagram and YouTube and, um, Bob's super cool. And he's always putting out funny things and seems like you guys are always cutting up up
0: there. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on and I hope, uh, you know, your, uh, listeners enjoyed the show with us and just be asking about dogs. So <laughs> thank, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: All right, thank you. Grandma the
0: My first rifle was a .243 That Papa gave Daddy and Daddy gave to me